What's going on, guys? And welcome to episode seven of Migrate Your Money. I'm your host, Jeremy Crocker, and alongside me today, as always, is my co-host and certified financial planner, Drew Fights. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for stopping in, and we hope you find some value in today's episode. And if you do, Drew and I would greatly appreciate if you share with someone that you know or someone that you feel might find value as well. So insurance is almost always a gap we see when reviewing financial plans, and I get it. It's a very difficult conversation to have, not only with your financial planner, but with yourself as well. So in today's episode, we talk about a few areas you should be on the lookout for insurance that you might not even know exist. Not only that, but we also talk about a few areas that you know you might not need insurance for. So today's episode is jam-packed, and I know it's a lot. We're talking about insurance, so we tried to break it down as simple as we possibly could. Um, so without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Well, good morning, good afternoon. Well, welcome back to Migrate Your Money. So on today's episode, Drew and I are going to be talking about small business planning and all that it entails, um, which is quite extensive if I might add. <laughs> yep. So... Uh... This kind of comes from last week, we had a financial planning meeting with a client who owns three businesses. So that means that we reviewed not only their personal insurance policies, just like we do for all of our clients, but we also reviewed their business insurance policies. And we found some things that kind of needed to be fixed. So we thought it might be good to just kind of talk through some of that today. Yeah, I definitely understand. And I, I definitely agree, I guess. Um, so it seems like most business owners... They get into the day-to-day, -day, they get into the weeds of their businesses, and they don't really put focus on these types of things. And I mean, it happens to us, right, as well. Yeah. And it's, it's not like they're doing anything wrong. It's just they're focused on building their business. Um, so, and, and frankly, honestly, when it comes to insurance, most people just don't know what they don't know. And they trust that what they have in place currently is, you know, the right thing or is good enough, I guess. Yep. So, um, but... As a business owner, it's very important to make sure that you're protected when bad things happen. And, you know, at some point, hopefully they never do, but at some point, bad things might happen. <laughs> so, um, but the, things, the thing about business owners is that they're focused on their personal insurance and they don't think about, oh, what kind of insurance, you know, should I have for my, for my business? Because these are separate, right, Drew? Yeah, for sure. And I think kind of uh, just starting out here, diving into insurance, you know, one of the ways, like you said, to kind of help um, with your risk management plan. There are other ways as well, but insurance is definitely a big part of it. But when do you insure something or when should you insure something, right? There's all kinds of insurance out there. You probably find it for pretty much anything, but that doesn't mean that you should or need to buy it, right? I mean, I mean everyone feels it. I feel it. You feel it. Probably everyone listening it sucks feeling like you're throwing away money on insurance, right? But then when you need it, you're pretty happy that you paid those premiums. Um, yeah. We're not here to sell insurance. Sometimes it might feel like it, you know, when we talk to clients, because a lot of times insurance is a big gap in people's financial plans. They don't have the proper coverage or they don't have any coverage at all for certain things. Um, so, you know, we don't sell any insurance. We don't sell any products at all, but Sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, uh, we find insurance policies that clients need to have in place. Um, and it, it's important. Sometimes it isn't. You know, sometimes people are properly covered, but that's something that we always make sure. Um, 
So when, when do we need to make sure that we ensure something? And it's really when, you know, if something were to happen, it'd be financially devastating. And these are things like death, disability, uh, major medical issue, house fire, car accident, you know, these things where if something were to happen and you have to figure out how to pay for it, your life is like financially destroyed probably. Um, so then if that's like when you insure something, when do you not insure something? So that's kind of, you know, if something were to happen, it's not going to be financially devastating to you. You, you can handle, you know, if, if you drop your phone and break it, you can handle paying for that. A lot of people, they take the insurance because when you're there with the phone person, they sell it to you, right? But in reality, you're probably not getting a very good deal on that. Um, I mean, that's, you know, you buy a phone for $1,000, you're probably paying half of that in insurance every year, you know, maybe a quarter of that. Um, and then policies that are really limited in scope, a lot of times aren't really a good deal either. So um, I see this a lot when we're looking through employee benefits packages. So things like cancer policies, emergency uh, insurance, accident insurance, critical illness. These things are really limited in their scope. And if you actually read through the terms of them, a lot of times they're really unlikely to pay out and they might be covered elsewhere, like in your um, health insurance or life insurance or disability or something like that. And you can tell uh, if an insurance policy is likely to pay out, generally just based on the premium, right? Things that have higher premiums, well, they have a higher premium because the people underwriting the insurance know that it's likely or that that's going to pay out. These things like the cancer, emergency, accident, critical illness, they might be like cents or dollars per paycheck. That's because these insurers know that it's highly unlikely that these are going to pay out. Okay. I got you. So then earlier you referenced, you know, we had financial planning meeting and let's go through kind of some of the things that we found with this um, individual. So the top of mind that comes for for me was, um, you know, insurance for the truck that was owned by the company. So that was through his personal lines rather than through his business. Yep. Um, so there's a, there's something that, that, um, you know, needs covered as well from the business and then water backup coverage was at 25,000. Yeah. 25,000. So the client has a fin finished basement that's had a second kitchen in it. So can you talk about that for a second? Um, yeah. So like why would that be a business? <laughs> Yeah, so this, the water backup coverage on their homeowner's policy, this is like if um, sometimes it's called different things like water backup, sewer, something backup, right, or whatever. There's, you know, different companies have different names for it, but um, in, their, in their home, they have a finished basement. So whenever, and they have a kitchen in it. So if something were to happen, if water were to get into this basement, whether it's from you know, like a toilet backing up or a sink or a dishwasher or water coming in from like a pipe burst or something like that. Um, you know, this, this is $25,000 of coverage to help repair, to remediate mold, to pull everything out, to rebuild everything. That's not going to cut. And I've had multiple clients over the years that have had to use this coverage and it hasn't been enough. Um, like I had a client come to me when they first came to me, they had to use this coverage like prior to, you know, engaging me in financial planning relationship. 
they said they had this check for $5,000 and the contractor told them that it was going to take $25,000 to fix everything that happened. So this is something to always look at to kind of make sure that there's proper coverage in place there. Yeah. And I like this, this section a lot too. Um, I feel like this is overlooked. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then additionally, so no life insurance at all in place, right? So the the client is essentially like 90%, 95% of the of the household income and he had no insurance set in place. So that was a big gap. Yeah. And then no disability was in place as well. Um, no key person insurance in place. And then the last one was no insurance in place for a buy sell agreement for a partnership, you know, worth two and a half million dollars. So we'll touch on all these, but I just want to list these out. I kind of uh, divert a little bit and talked about the water backup, but I just like that one because I feel like that's overlooked a lot of the time. So yeah, for sure. So I think uh, let's kind of dive into some of the different types of insurance that small business owners should be thinking about. And this isn't going to be a comprehensive overview, right? But this is going to be kind of some of the things that we were thinking about with this person that we're helping. So (laughs) I have the personal side and you have the business side, right? So on the personal side, you have personal and property liability insurance. So this is like your home, your auto, your umbrella policy, health insurance, of course, Um, that, you know, you could get that through the marketplace, through a spouse's insurance, through work, something like that. And again, we'll, we'll dive into these things a little bit deeper here in a second, but, um, life insurance, like you just mentioned, disability, like you just mentioned. Um, and then on the business side, you kind of have general business liability insurance, um, E&O insurance, errors and emissions, commercial property insurance, auto insurance for vehicles that are owned by the business key person insurance, like you mentioned, and we'll dive into what that means. And then kind of, uh, again, the last thing that you mentioned there was the buy-sell agreement backed by life insurance. And we'll dive into that a little bit deeper here in a second too. Perfect. I mean, we were talking before, right? And we're like, oh, this is going to be a a pretty long podcast. They're pretty in-depth podcast. And Drew goes, yeah, we're not even going to scratch the surface. (laughs) So there's a lot that goes into this for sure. Yeah. I mean, each one of these policies has their little unique things that if you don't know about it, you know, maybe you don't have it on your policy or maybe it only pays in this certain situation. All these little nitpicky things. Uh, I kind of always say, like, when it comes to insurance, the the devil's in the details, right? Yeah. So <laughs> let's start on a, just kind of start at the top there, like we mentioned, the uh, Uh, personal property and uh, liability insurance, right? So liability insurance, I just stole a definition here from Investopedia, what they said, just, I know, there's no reason for me to write anything out because I can't write anything better than this, right? But liability insurance is really a lot of times what we, what we think of when we think of insurance. Um, Liability and personal property are probably like, you know, kind of when we think of insurance, these are the things. So liability is protects you and members of your household against claims resulting from injuries and damage to other people or their property. So, you know, if some, if you get in an auto accident or someone gets hurt at your house and you get sued, that's what liability insurance helps with. And then personal property insurance is this covers losses and damages to your home, which is obviously your homeowner's insurance, your stuff, like your furniture, clothing, electronics, those types of things uh, through your homeowner's insurance and your vehicle uh, through your auto insurance. So 
you know, if it's damaged, destroyed, whatever, this is where those uh, personal property um, insurance policies come into place. And then, you know, within your homeowners and your auto, you have those liability insurance limits that we just kind of mentioned above. Um, so, you know, if you have an accident, like I said, you get in an auto accident, um, then there's a liability limit within your uh, auto policy to help pay for, you know, any damages or if you get sued or anything like that. And in this particular scenario for this client that, that we're reviewing, just looking through the homeowner's policy, the premiums kind of looked a little high to me based on, you know, I've had the opportunity to review a ton of homeowner's policies. So I kind of have in mind, in, in my head, just, hey, they should kind of be within this range. And if they look like they're outside of that range, then I always suggest maybe let's have someone else quote these and see what it looks like. Or let's go back to your current insurance agent or broker and see if there's something that we can do to kind of get this back into what I feel like is more reasonable range, right? And then, you know, kind of looking through the homeowner's policy, just some high level, again, not, not too in-depth because we can, we can talk about this for hours, but just some high level things that we're looking at and that we found replacement cost coverage on the home and the roof. So this is a replacement cost versus actual cash value. So actual cash value would say, hey, you know, your roof cost you $10,000 20 years ago, and now it's depreciated down to $1,000. So if you need to replace it, uh, we're going to give you $1,000. Whereas replacement cost says, hey, this roof costs $10,000 to put on the house, we're going to give you $10,000. Hmm. And then you can see sometimes on homeowners policies, maybe you think your home is worth $900,000 and the insurance policy says it covers seven fifty, dollars but then it says replacement cost. So they're actually going to replace the cost of the home. Um, we mentioned this before, the water backup, um, the client needed to increase that. Um, and then kind of like you mentioned, Jeremy, the, the auto. So on their personal auto policy, it had the vehicle that was owned by the business. And that really needs to be on a policy that's owned by the business rather than on their personal policy. Um, then umbrella insurance. So uh, a lot of people have never heard of this before, but think of umbrella insurance literally as an umbrella sitting over your home and auto policies, right? So like we, like we just mentioned, the home and auto policies have their liability limits. So if you get sued, whatever, um, th they have these specific limits in them. And then this umbrella policy is additional liability coverage on top of those. This usually comes in like a million, two million, five million. Um, and it, it's really typically really cheap considering the amount of coverage that you get. A lot of times for a million dollar umbrella policy, it might be hundred to $300 a year in Indiana. Um, kind of the, the cliche example, I think of when you would use an umbrella policy, imagine you know, if you're driving and you hit a surgeon that earns a million dollars a year and they're not able to work, well, now they sue you for lost wages, they sue you for medical bills, whatever else. Given that million dollar income, you could quickly breach your auto insurance liability limits. In Indiana, the maximum under your auto policy that you're going to get is $250,000 per person, $500,000 per accident. So, I mean, if they, if this person isn't able to work for a year and you get sued for lost wages, I mean, you, you're only covering half of that, right? With this million dollar um, 
income that they have. So those, those are a couple on the personal liability side of things. And then, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that umbrella policy is also, I mean, we talked about earlier about the, the, the like sewer and backup uh, protection, but I feel like the umbrella policy is, is even more overlooked than that because, you know, like you said, you hit a surgeon and, and you're going to quickly max out your insurance. Yeah. The thing is too, a lot of people will be like, well, I don't even have a net worth of a million dollars. Okay. Well, guess what? The, the courts can allow uh, the lawyers for the surgeon to come and subrogate your wages. So now, you know, you have a hundred dollars every time you get paid or $500 or whatever it might be. I'm just making up numbers that's coming out of your pay to go and pay for these damages. So yeah, there's, I, I mean, it, we live in a, in a crazy world, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. But so, yeah, let's run through, um, some business liability and, and, um, some business insurance, I guess. Yeah. So kind of continuing with this liability and property insurance, uh, you got to make sure that you have this on the business side as well, right? You can't just have your personal, personal stuff insured and then forget about the business. Um, so first thing we looked through this business owner's policy, the first thing that I noticed was their address on the policy was their old address. They have uh, moved this year. And, you know, this was an old statement that I received from the insurance agent. But so the address could be updated, but that's just something that we need to make sure. And then on this business owner's policy, uh, you know, it has these different coverages on it for things like accounts receivable. So if you don't get paid, you could potentially get uh, indemnified through this policy for it. Business income insurance for 12 months that for the actual loss sustained. So if something were to happen to uh, this building that's insured here that makes it so that this business owner can't earn income, then you know they could be indemnified through this insurance policy. Electronic data, um, forgery, all these kinds of different things are um, insured through this business owner's policy. And then it also has liability insurance in, in it. So again, this protects you from lawsuits. Um, so it has liability and medical payments coverage. It has this one, um, it's kind of a weird name called Products Completed Operations Aggregate. <laughs> a little bit of a mouthful there, but that protects you from financial damages if your product or service that you completed for someone injures them or you know dam- damages their property or something like that. So um, this includes, like I just said, bodily image or bodily injury, property damage um, occurring away from your premises you own or rent and arising out of your product or your work, except. And then it has all these lists of exceptions that it doesn't cover, right? So again, that's where the devil's in the details, uh, air quotes, right? But there's just all kinds of things that it may or may not cover. You just need to at least read through, have an idea of that. And then uh, this policy also has, um, or yeah, this policy also has property insurance in it. So covers losses and damages to real estate like office buildings, rentals that the business owns. Um, So again, this goes back to like homeowner's insurance, kind of the same thing. If the building is damaged or destroyed, this policy is going to help indemnify for the cost of repairs or replacement. Um, 
has the replacement cost definition, which again, we want, we like that, right? Um, so on this policy, it seemed to me that the building replacement cost coverage, even though it had a $5,000 deductible was pretty high. So this is something I recommend, hey, let's get quotes on this. And kind of deductibles and insurance premiums, generally you would think kind of have an inverse correlation. And that's kind of like nerdy talk for the higher the deductible, generally you would think the lower the premiums because you're taking on more risk from the insurance company saying, hey, if my deductible is $1,000, now the insurance company has more risk because there's more likely that this policy is going to pay out, right? But if I increase my deductible to $5,000, well, the first $5,000 of any, um, any damages or whatever I'm taking on myself. So now it's much more less likely that this insurance policy pays out. So that's why the premiums would be less. Um, so again, just making sure that they get a quote on that, see if it's, it's in line with what it should be. And then we already mentioned the auto insurance where they had the business truck on the personal policy and it should really be on its own policy. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit now about like health insurance, right? So like as a business owner, right, what do you do for health insurance? That's something that we experienced recently as well. Um, yeah. So you don't really have, I mean, you don't have insurance avail available to you. If you work at a larger company, you know, most of the time they have plans. So yeah. let's kind of run through a couple different, um, I guess, options for you. So you can go to the marketplace right? So small business health insurance options, this could be things like Obamacare. Um, and then also if you are married, you can go through your spouse's insurance. So if, if they have the ability to add you onto their insurance, then that might be a good option for you. Yeah. And then something that you can also do is reach out to a, an independent insurance broker. And so with this, you know, they'll shop around and look and, and kind of see different options for you. Most of the time you'll have to go through underwriting for this, which, you know, can't, it's good and bad, I guess. Right. And then there's something called healthcare sharing to where essentially, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Drew, but essentially it's where people put, you know, just a bunch of money into a pool. Right. And then can pull it if, if needed or whatnot. And maybe you can give a better explanation because I'm clearly don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. No, no, you, I mean, you're on the right track. It's essentially insurance, but they can't call it insurance because there are some specific things that it doesn't cover. So I think, and I could be wrong here too, so don't quote me, but I think that healthcare sharing started like a lot of times when you think of healthcare sharing, you think of like these Christian healthcare sharing plans. Okay. And again, don't call it insurance, right? Don't, don't use like these insurance terms, like deductibles, these types of things, because uh, uh if, if you talk about that with them, then they will say, no, it's not insurance. No, it's not a deductible. You know, they have these specific terms, but there are also uh, just general ones too that you could use. But again, devil's in the details. These independent insurance policies, these healthcare sharing policies, they're probably not going to cover things that like the marketplace Obamacare policies are going to cover. You know, those, those policies legally have to cover a bunch of stuff. And they pretty much, I mean, they accept everyone. That's why they're so expensive, right? Yeah, I was just going to add that. I was going to add yeah. the premiums on those, yeah. Yeah, so like an independent policy or healthcare sharing policy might be lower because, you know, if you go to one of the Christian uh, healthcare sharing places, they're going to say, hey, 
if something happens to you that isn't biblical, uh, like, you know, you are drunk driving and you get in an accident, they're not going to pay for those, those types of medical expenses or, you know, like the independent, um, insurance policies, they may exclude any pre-existing conditions that you have, whereas the marketplace policies aren't going to exclude pre-existing conditions. So again, it's like, you got to make sure that you know the details of these things. And if you have any specific problems that, that need to be covered, then you have to know whether or not um, your health insurance is going to cover those. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot for those. Absolutely. So now let's talk about, so these two um, long-term disability insurance and life insurance, people have probably heard about this one, um, yep. right? But let's dive into each of those a little bit further. So long-term disability insurance. So what happens if you get hurt, sick, injured, you know, you're unable to work for a long period of time, what are you going to use as far as to pay your you know, expenses? And a lot of people say, I'll use my emergency fund. And that's terrific. I'm glad that you have one set up. But unfortunately, that's going to run out at some point. And, yeah. you know, with the long term disability, most of these kick in after 91 days. Yeah. So, you know, most of the time, you're already have kind of eaten through your, your um, savings. So this is when these can can uh, kick in. And there's actually a crazy stat out there that once once we say it, people are going to kind of be a little shocked. But actually, a quarter of people today um, at some point will get will have a disability or at some point will experience a disability before the age of 67, which is crazy to think of. Um, yeah, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think that the, the average length of uh, long-term disability is like two to three years or something yep. like that. So yeah. like you said... <laughs> Yeah, you can use your emergency fund for the very beginning of that, but then that's where kind of this need for long-term disability comes in. Yeah. And Drew, can you touch on a little bit about like, so let's talk about, you know, the definition of a disability. So like own occupation and because that's something that it's high, I think it's high level enough to where people can look at and say, okay, I got to make sure I have this. So talk about own occupation, any occupation, all that. Yeah. So own occupation, uh, so this is the definition of disability within the disability policy, right? There could be anything, like you said, like there could be own occupation, there could be any occupation, there could be modified own occupation, mm-hmm. all these different types of definitions. And again, each insurance company will have kind of their own language of what they call it. But own occupation says, if you cannot do your own occupation, then this policy pays out. Um, so let's say if you're, uh, let's just go back to the surgeon. If you're a surgeon, something happens to you, you cannot be a surgeon, this policy pays out. Own occupation, any occupation. If you're a surgeon, you can't be a surgeon, but you can still do something else. This policy either won't pay out or it's not going to pay out your full income that you're used to earning. Man. So that's a that's a mine, excuse me, a minor detail, right, in the policy, but a huge, huge detail for when this will pay out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like a line and then yeah star next to it and then this definition in the back of the policy that no one ever reads to see what it actually says yeah exactly (laughs) all right so let's go to life insurance everyone's favorite topic when they talk about insurance (laughs) no it's um so uh, you know this is here to protect your family right protect um if something were to happen to you you lost your income excuse me because you know if, if you were to premature have a premature death, like your income's gone, right? Yeah. And not, it's not only about income, it's about like now you're no longer there to help with the everyday needs. 
So this is something that can, you know, um, help your spouse or help any of your loved ones kind of grieve as well. Um, I mean, what else should we touch on on this? I feel like this Uh, is, I, I think on this one, just, I mean, like you said, I think most people understand life insurance, but, uh, going back to kind of the particular situation that we've been talking about, uh, you mentioned this at the beginning, but just to say it again, they didn't have life insurance. So for this business owner, you know, we need life insurance in place to help replace their income, retirement savings, um, future goals like college, weddings, different things like that, that need to be paid for. So we need to make sure that we get that in place. But then also, like you said at the beginning, this business owner probably earns 90, 95% of the household income. That doesn't mean that the spouse doesn't need life insurance. Cause if something happens to the spouse, well, now this business owner has to pay for childcare, pay for, any retirement savings that the spouse had, you know, all these different things that all these expenses come up. So this spouse probably needs a smaller, maybe even a shorter as well, life insurance policy in place. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Drew, because they're still a part of the team, right? I yeah, mean, you know, and without, without that, without your teammate, like you can't, you know, it's, it's hard to do things. So I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. So I think, uh, we kind of hit on the personal side of things there. Uh, diving back into some of the, the business side of things. So errors and emission insurance is, is one to look at as well. This is another form of liability insurance like we talked about earlier, but um, liability insurance probably isn't gonna cover errors and emissions. So this these types of policies protect against claims of bad, inaccurate work, negligence, those types of things. Um, these are for services businesses. You know, policies are for services businesses. And again, Love Investopedia. I found a good example on there for the financial services industry. So I'm just going to read it here. But it says, uh, for example, a client may sue an advisor or broker after an investment goes sour. Even if the risks were well known and within the guidelines established by the client, even if a court or arbitration panel decides in favor of a broker and investment advisor, the legal fees can be very high, which is why E&O insurance is important. So yeah, you might win the case, like maybe the investment was suitable or whatever it might be, you know, you won the case, you still had to pay those legal fees. This uh, insurance policy can go to help with that. Um, and that can that. I mean, that's just an example from us, but that can go any, any direction for any other business, which is crazy because you can, you can do everything correct and then still something happens. Yep, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's not even necessarily that you purposely did anything wrong, right? But errors and emissions. Yeah. It could be an accident. Yeah. Um, commercial, pro- commercial property insurance. I think we probably hit on this a little bit before. Uh, kind of like homeowner's insurance, but you need to make sure that you have this for the business property, protect the building that you own or rent, protect the stuff inside of it. Um, auto insurance for the business, we talked about that. Um, this isn't going to be included in a business owner's policy. We were talking about the business owner's policy before, so you're going to have to get a separate insurance policy for the auto that's owned by the business. And then, Jeremy, two things that you mentioned at the beginning that may be kind of sound weird to people are the key person insurance and the buy-sell agreement. So key yeah, person- I was going to say, I don't think a lot of... Go ahead, Drew. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, when you... 
I don't think a lot of people have even heard of key person or buy sell. Maybe, you know, maybe they've heard of buy sell, but you know, key person. Why would I need that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a like the name of it is exactly what it means. This insurance pays for um, lost income if something were to happen to the business owner to help hire a replacement, cover expenses related to the loss of them, whatever it might be. Um, so. Let me go back to Investpedia, read their definition. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this says key person insurance is a life insurance policy a company buys on the life of a top executive or another critical individual. Such insurance is needed if that person's death would be devastating to the future of the company. For small businesses, the key person might be the owner or founder. The company pays the insurance premiums and is the policy's beneficiary should the person die. So again, this business owner didn't have any person insurance in place. If he's gone, this business isn't running, right? And if it is running, it might be running for a couple months, for a year. Um, but there's going to need to be another CEO to step in and kind of continue this business or else the family doesn't have an income anymore. Um, the families of the employees, these employees are going to have to go find jobs, right? Um, yeah. So, it's almost Just, a domino effect, right? Yeah, exactly. It is. So that, that's a big one to think about. And then the buy-sell agreement. So you can have a buy-sell agreement and not have insurance, but a lot of times you need the insurance to be able to kind of work through the buy-sell agreement. So what this means is uh, this is like a contract that says when, when you enter into a partnership, a business partnership, you have this buy-sell agreement drafted that says, hey, if something happens to one partner, um, then this is how we deal with buying them out or reassigning their share of the business, right? So a lot of times um, buy-sell agreement says that, let's say, Jeremy, you and I are business partners, you pass away, the buy-sell agreement probably says, I have to uh, buy your share of the company. Um, but if I don't have insurance in place, like a life insurance policy on you that pays out to me, then I'm not probably not going to have the money available yeah. if this is a significant business to buy your share of the policy, right? Yeah. And the idea here is, Jeremy, you and I are business partners. If something happens to me, you probably don't want to be a business partner with Amanda, right? So... <laughs> And she has no idea. She's not a financial planner. She would not have any clue how to run a business. So that's, that's where this comes into place. Okay. I was going to say, that's a, that's a really good point too, because it's so, so like, if you do have a significant business, not a lot of people have say a million, $2 million, $3 million laying around that they could just, here you go, you know? Yeah. So that's a exactly. big detail too. Yeah. Awesome. So well, we covered a heck of a lot today, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a, a lot in a lot of, of insurance for sure. And like you said, we barely scratched the surface. Um, so just want to say like thank you to everyone out there um, for watching, for listening. If you found this beneficial in any way, please like, share, subscribe, um, give us a rating on you know Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening. And then if you know if any of this makes sense to you or is relevant to you please feel free to reach out to us. I mean, um, at the very least, have a phone call and just explain things a little bit further to you. So um, thanks again. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. 
None of the information provided in this podcast is intended as investment, tax, accounting, or legal advice. 